Hello and welcome to Bottled Up on a mission to create conversations and make the mental health of men a top priority. You're joined by myself, Sunny, and Mayank, close friends from university who want to share the stories of everyday people on our platform. The reason? Because we are not alone. Before we kick this conversation off, thank you for tuning in and listening. If you haven't already, it would be awesome if you could rate, review, and follow our podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your conversations. It makes a huge difference to our reach with these awesome guests and potentially life-saving conversations. And if you haven't just yet, it takes 20 to 30 seconds to leave us a review and would help us out massively. Thank you again and buckle up for another great conversation. We're all live. Um, we are. We are live. We're, we're all good. We're all good. Um, so, it's the, Rosie, no, thank you so much for, for joining us. Um, it's been a. I think it's been a, it's been a while in, in the making. I think we, we reached out to each other um, in March. We were actually connected by Tom. You're a, a mutual. I'm, I'm going to call him my friend, our friend. He's, he's part of our family. I want to say that we've got a football loser friend. Yeah, um, Tom Boyd. Um, Sunny and I went on a bit of an exercise just to obviously trying trying to speak to more interesting people and we reached out to our previous guests and Tom was very was very um, kind enough to have given you as one of our uh, as a recommendation and yeah there's only, there's one, only one it was, was you, you so, oh really yeah <laughs> oh so yeah, there's only one he said yeah one of the things that he described you as was like really switched on and really articulate so it, it, oh, that's, awesome. a, that's the perfect recipe for a podcast I think um, as a podcasting guest so <laughs> really awesome um, yeah no yeah no pressure at all. <laughs> yeah, no pressure. We, we generally start off our conversations with like a, a, a bit of a, a light-hearted question, um, and, but something which is like a little bit deep mm-hmm. at the same time as well. So th- th- this is normally the question. Should we, should we ask the, the parallel universe question, Sonny? That would be good. All right, cool. Let, let's, let's do that. Okay. Yeah, yeah. I think it'll be oh good. Oh, my gosh. I think it'll be good. <laughs> what rabbit hole are we about to it'll, 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 be, it'll, be, it'll, be, it'll be a good test if you've done your homework. It's <laughs> true. It's very past true. episodes and oh. bumped up a couple of other numbers. Oh, okay. <laughs> okay. Um, so yeah. which parallel universe, it's a universe one. version of yourself would you want to bump into and meet and why? Yeah. Oh, my God. <laughs> it's like a sliding door moment. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um... <laughs> Interesting yeah. one. I've actually never thought of that before. Yeah, yeah. Um, it'd, be, it'd be weird if you did, to be honest. That could be a good thing. Yeah. You're pretty happy with it. <laughs> I know. I wonder what... Um, I think... Um, like it, 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 yeah, I think yeah. as a, as someone with a pretty extreme personality, I think it would be interesting if, if I wasn't probably all, you know, the kind of laser focus and very task driven um i think it's and having a bit of an addictive personality i think that sometimes that can Mm. be not fostered correctly can go in pretty pretty dark places not that um i'd want to meet that person but i would be curious if i didn't have probably the upbringing the support around me when i was younger Mm. um how those things are now very positive attributes they might have been manifested into something you know a bit more um not as what's the word um productive to society i guess um so it would just be interesting yeah. that you know having the same personality but if it's not fostered or nurtured at the young age i'd be curious to see how that you know what parallel universe that would mm-hmm. um, manifest into 
But I also wanted to be a basketball player when I was younger, so I wonder if I... Yeah. I yeah. Oh, yeah, true. Life as <laughs> yeah, a basketball. Yeah, life as a, as a baller. Yeah. I'm probably, yeah, in, <laughs> yeah. playing at MSAC uh, at 10pm heard... on a Tuesday night, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you, you, um... Because you, you did a lot of basketball growing I up. I did. Uh, Rosie, yeah. and, um, I, I, I saw somewhere that one of the reasons why you ended up moving away from basketball was because you stopped growing. Mm. Um, and, and, and that kind of led into the world of rowing, but I'm sure there might have been some other options. So well, what's the story around that, like that, that switch around? Yeah, so I was, a, I was enormous as a young, young gal. So I'm <laughs> just under six foot now, and I stopped growing when I was about 13. So I was just huge. Mm. Um, yep. And Damn. I loved it. And when I was 13 or 14, I actually had a really bad um, knee injury and had a... Mm. A big operation on that, so actually, um, really, I only have fifty percent college in my right knee, and I can't. Um, mm. My change of direction is is really bad now, just because it's kind of the bone on bone. So that actually um, kind of stopped my development, just because I I couldn't jump as high and I couldn't be as agile as I was, and I think I lost a bit of confidence from that. So I um, had a was on a basketball scholarship for high school, and then. Um, played until year 12 and that was really fun um but when I was probably 14 or 15 I'd started rowing as well and I think um that just seemed kind of more something that had more of a long-term chance of getting to the to the top Mm. level by that point so um that's kind of when I made the switch so I, I played basketball and I rowed during high school and then after high school um I haven't I did one social competition in like 2016 or 17, which I love. I love basketball. It's a great game. Um, I love the teamwork element of it. Um, but that was kind of the transition and I did stop growing. So, um, even though six foot is pretty tall for a, for a girl. <laughs> six foot at 13 as well. Enormous. Or like it's just about yeah. six foot. Oh yeah. my gosh. Yeah. Would not want to be playing against your team. <laughs> <laughs> but I was, I was one of those kids that, because I was so tall. I remember once I was, uh, I used to play, do karate as well when I was younger. And I was so, so much bigger than all the other girls. And we'd be sparring. Yeah. <laughs> and then my mum would say that I would just let them win because I just didn't want to hurt them. So I was just, like, I had all yeah. this size. So I just didn't yeah. use it. So I just let these little girls <laughs> punch me in the face and then just walk away. Because I was just, I didn't want to hurt mm. them just because I was probably four heads yeah. taller yeah no you mentioned that like it was we actually came off a conversation um with um with with, with mandy i think we, we we spoke about that earlier and mm-hmm. one of her things when she was growing up was this idea of body image mm-hmm. and i think like for, for you was that something i mean you just you said you were six feet, mm. six feet tall and you were taller than everyone else were you was that something that made you self-conscious i think uh what some yes and no Yes, in the way that when I was out of the sporting context, I think I was very conscious of my size. Uh, something that my parents did that was great is because they knew how big I would be. Um, I guess I'm strong and you know all these things that are really, really good attributes. But they wanted me to be surrounded by other people like that. So it, it was celebrated rather than feeling kind of other. So that, that was a thing within the, the basketball and the, in the sporting context. I think I, I learned that it was a very positive thing. Um, but, you know, in, in saying that, there's those little messages that coaches say along the way. And uh, I did really struggle with body image and, you know, uh, restricted eating and everything when I was younger. And I think that that was just kind of, um, in, when you're growing up, you kind of don't feel like you have control of anything. But I think sometimes the coming back to, to you know, 
uh, kind of restricted eating or, or anything like that, sometimes that can be something that you can, it's the only thing that you feel as though you can control. Um, so that was something that I struggled with for, for a while and, it, and it, it, it took a while to shake. And I think it's understanding what the triggers are of, you know, just you can only control what you can control, but make sure that's a positive thing rather than something that's a bit self-destructive or um, because you think that, you know, you want to look better for other people when you, you know, there is no definition of what that should be. It's kind of what you think about yourself is, is really the important thing. So yeah, it, t- it takes a while to, to shake, but I think it's, it's important to be open about those things um, because it doesn't give the, the power or the weight to it that, it, that I used to really um, think about all the time, which is just exhausting. Yeah, absolutely. And, and Rosie, like for people listening in, you know, you're born to some, um, you know, pretty well-known people within the rowing world. Um, and I hope I'm pronouncing it. So Sue, yeah. your mum, and uh, is it uh, Eon? Yon, yeah. Uh, uh, so it's, yeah. Yon, Yon, that's it. <laughs> yeah. um, and so they obviously won medals um, in 1984, I think, in Los Angeles. Mm-hmm. And um, I'm curious to know, you know, they, they were very accommodating around what you wanted to do and actually, you know, you might think that, you know, they would have placed pressure on you to go into rowing, but that actually wasn't necessarily the case. But I'm keen to know, you know, the younger Rosie growing up, you know, what was your relationship like with your parents? Um, and, you know, I, I definitely want to touch on the rowing element and, and kind of the lessons learned and, you know, how that relationship evolved. But growing up, what was your relationship like, um, you know, being, being um, I guess, the daughter of two pretty well-known people within the rowing or uh, athletic world? Mm. Yeah, I think it's a it's an interesting one because, you know, the only reality that I have is that my parents are Olympic medalists and that my parents are in the rowing community and I was in the rowing community. So um, I think kind of having, now that I've, you know, taken a bit of a step back from the rowing community at the moment, I I realise how unusual that is. Um, but at the time, that's all I knew and, and, and I didn't know anything else but from having really, really hardworking parents that had done amazing things, but was so incredibly humble about it um, as well. And so, and so giving to other people. And I, um, my relationship with my family has always been, been amazing. Uh, I feel very, very lucky to have them because they are not only people that I really look up to, um, I have so much respect for, but they, they have been kind of mentors in life and that, that they've done this thing, but it's understanding that you can be um, Olympic medalist and you can be business owners and stuff, but that's only part of who you are. And they always really emphasized to develop a complete part of you. So family on the Romanian side with dad and mum, you know, it's, it's such an important thing, but, you know, getting after it and making sure that you really do the best that you can was just, you know, the American side of me as well. So it's, um, which is my mum, where she's from. So um, I think it kind of became this cocktail of just, I have never felt anything but support for my family. And, and there have been times where even, you know, with rowing when things weren't really going well at all and I, and I wanted to give up. And I remember mom sat me down. She's like, you are just too good to give up. She goes, if you were really bad at it and I didn't see the potential, I would let you walk away. But she's like, yeah. you will not regret having a go, you know? And I think that actually listening to those words and at the time, you know, maybe I thought it, I, it was being pushed or whatever because I wasn't in a good place mentally but you know I'm so glad that for her to say you I will not let you quit you know and it's and it's um but yeah growing up was um was pretty special and they're very very hard-working people um and have done a lot of things in their life and, and really interesting and worldly so I think it's um to have the 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 freedom to to go off and and do all these other things and 
and knowing that I have a safe place to fall or a home always to come back to is it gives you a, a lot of grounding um, to kind of see where you can go. Mm. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I feel like, you know, mums are always special to everyone, mm. or at least you know, most people, I think, um, you know, they play such a significant part in their life. And was it almost reassuring hearing it from your mum? Um, saying that because obviously not only is she your mum but she's also someone that um, you know being able to spot that talent mm. in you like was there was there some sort of like comfort that you got from that even when times are tough because I know and we'll we'll definitely touch mm. on this like rowing is a grueling <laughs> sport um, and uh, obviously there's a lot around there you know with the um, Tokyo games being postponed and having to kind of um, go through that whole training cycle again for the whole year so it's you know there, there's so much in there but yeah what, what was it like hearing those words of comfort um, from your mom? Yeah I think um, it, it's pretty incredible because I think you know as a not only as a mum, but, you know, as someone who's been a, a female rower as well, and, and they haven't, in, in, in previous years, um, there hasn't been the same opportunity for women in sport. Um, and obviously that's a very developing space. So as a, as a fellow sportswoman, um, to be honest, like she would say the exact same thing to any other rower or any other sport person. I know that um, in previous Olympics, there'd been times where so, the, a women's crew um, wasn't going to be sent um, to the Olympic games and, and she, you know, just absolutely was a squeak, squeaky wheel to try to mobilize and get these, these girls the game and give them the same opportunity. So, um, you know, it's kind of funny that she, she's like, I will just shake things up and I will absolutely bend over backwards because, um, you know, these people need a voice and I have the capacity and I know, I know the game. So that, that was in the rowing context, but I think, you know, it's just, it's just my norm to have someone that's just so enthusiastic. Um, and she just cares so much about, getting people to have the, the opportunity and, and I guess um always going back to just you know doing the best that you can and being the best version of yourself uh, and that has just been instilled in me in my whole life and it probably wasn't until um I had the maturity to actually understand how special that is um but both yeah, yeah so both of them it's 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 really cool to have that as your um default you know, I think it would be really difficult if you didn't have someone to absolutely back you unconditionally. And it wasn't about her having the glory. She just wants to see other people succeed. You know, they're both, both mum and dad are, are rowing coaches now and they've kind of dedicated their lives to, um, yes, it's in the rowing context, but make sure that people have opportunities. And, um, you know, it's pretty, pretty special, actually. It, even for you, Rosie, like, so you, you grew up in Melbourne, you know, you went to Caulfield Grammar. Um, I want to touch on sort of the opportunity you were given to go yeah. to the States because this is, I guess, at a point in time where like rowing was getting maybe a little bit mm -hmm. more serious for you. Um, you were offered a full scholarship to go to UC Berkeley um, and the Bears, mm -hmm. they have an incredible, um, pretty much like a well, uh, yeah. it's world renowned, their rowing program and, and what they're known for there. And I want to kind of put the listeners um, sort of in, in yeah. the space of, you know, when you had found out that you had received that scholarship and sort of the feelings that you were going through. Because on one hand, it's a wonderful opportunity. Your mum obviously comes from, um, you know, American pedigree and, you know, going back to the States and, and sort of studying there. But also mm -hmm. there's this element of anxiousness. I can only imagine that, mm -hmm. you know, you're forecasting and you're looking into the future and you're like, okay, this is the start of something. So uh, I feel like you would be the best at describing this. Yeah. <laughs> um, mm -hmm. And yeah, kind of keen just to hear what was going through your, your head mm -hmm. at, that, at that particular time. Yeah, for sure. I think it's, um, we were so young at the time. So I guess it was what, you know, I went there in 2010. So 12 years ago, which is just bizarre. Um, and 
I started, I really wanted to go to the States um, to uni, right from when I was young, right actually from a basketball trip with Caulfield, I think it was in year 10, um, and we went to a lot of the major basketball schools, and I just thought it was the coolest thing ever, um, and I loved the idea of um, being able to go to the States, um, and I did want to row after after uni as well and and the way that it's set up at the unis in the states is that you are on an athletic scholarship so um you uh it's a student and then you're an athlete so you have to get a certain um gpa or a certain score to be able to actually compete and if you're under that you're kind of on academic probation so that what i loved about it was that you know you have to make sure that you're, you're actually learning what you got to learn, but um, it was done in a way that you could manage your rowing and actually get better while having a really amazing experience. Uh, so that was, a you know, kind of thinking long-term and um, going, okay, what if I want to be educated by the time that I'm uh, in my mid-20s and I want to be better than rowing and I want to have some international um, traveling experience and living overseas and out of home. Like it was all just fits and, um, it's, you, you can only, only see in the movies and so much of it is exactly yeah. what the movies are like, you, you know, the yeah. frat rows and the, all the sororities and stuff like that. Like it's, it's awesome. And I think, um, but it's so, uh, it's so much and it's so different to here. And yeah, the, I remember I was at the airport and I think I was crying cause I was saying I was going to miss, um, Melbourne, and then I, I it was actually my mom. She goes, You're gonna come back, like, get over yourself. So, yeah. I think you know, I she, yeah. she kind of almost was like, she, yeah. Yeah. yeah, you should probably yeah, do a podcast on her. Yeah, no, um, yeah. um, yeah, so she, you know, I think it, it's kind of going back to just getting that little gentle nudge or a little slap over the ear, being like, Look at this opportunity, it's amazing. Don't think for a second that. Melbourne is going to stop without you and life's not going to go on or, you know, you're not going to speak to your family. Um, even though mm, I, I don't even yeah. think I had an iPhone <laughs> when I went over there. It was that long ago. Um, I think I had a Nokia. <laughs> too so, good. Too good. Um, but, you know, mum's like, it's a, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Playing snake too. So no, she, um, I think it's, you know, put in context, like if that, something goes wrong, you just get on a flight and come home. So I think it's just not over, I think you know, from a young age, just learning that you got to take these chances. And if it doesn't work out, you could always just come back and do something else. You know, that's, you don't have to overthink everything. Um, and I think as someone who has been an overthinker in my, in my life, I think it though really pushing myself, um, to just go and do it. And I guess almost underthink it sometimes is, is so liberating. So I think that was kind of the start of it, but yeah, that was, you know, for sure, I think it was so mixed feelings because you have no idea what you're going to get into. Uh, but once you're over there, it's just it's a, a phenomenal experience, and I loved it. And some of my best mates are there. But I also, you know, um, had some some uh, really really good times, and I had some really challenging times. But I wouldn't change it for the world because I learned so much about myself. There's um a a. I might as well just sort of get into it. Like the, the, the question that's kind of coming through in my mind is, um, you know, mm. this idea, and this is obviously a question that came from a guy called Andrew, who's really into rowing. And um, he, mm-hmm. I asked him, you know, obviously speaking with Rosie, what's one thing when you reflect back on your experience as a rower uh, that you look back at and, you know, maybe wish you could change? And the, the, the question that kind of came, mm. came out was, um, when you're so committed to a sport, 
because I, I can only imagine that sort of your, your circle at Berkeley, um, you know, you're training maybe three, four, maybe even more times per day. You're, you're surrounded by all these rowers and there's very early schedules and everything like that. And you're incredibly committed and incredibly mm. dedicated to the sport. And in the moment, you feel incredibly happy mm. and you feel like you're doing the right thing, which is obviously, you know, that, that's subjective and that's up to you. And, um, you know... You know that you're happy, but you might not always be aware of what you're missing out on. And that reflection might only mm-hmm. come back at, you know, later in life when you kind of look back at that time and you're like, wow, I dedicated so much, but I might have also missed out on a couple of things. Um, were you very conscious mm. about, I guess the question here is like, when you started dedicating and, and sort of ramping up your training with rowing, were you very conscious about sort of what you were giving up and that compromise along the way? Because for Andrew, for example, he's, yeah. he's like, he looks back at it and he's like, I wouldn't really change that. But he's very conscious about that addictive mm. personality coming out and in the way he does things. So mm. I'm wondering if you relate to that. A compromise, I think, has a, I think it has a pretty negative connotation. I think... Um, you know, it's something that you're willing to kind of really focus in on, do something for a, a very extreme circumstance. Um, but I think people think that it's a sustainable thing. So I know for me that, you know, I was going, I'm just going to absolutely, <clears throat> like even going into Tokyo, I thought I am absolutely going to be put my foot on the accelerator here because I want, I want to leave no stone unturned and be almost be at a sustainable pace of, I want to actually get this done. I don't want to just by rowing career just plodder along for years and years and years and not have a clear goal in mind. Um, but yeah, you do have to really um, be conscious that you, do, you 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 can't lean into a lot of things to say if you go, you know, I've, I've up until a couple of months ago, like you never go out on Friday nights because I've had Saturday morning sports since I was seven years old. You know, it's, you don't realize um, at the time and not that that's a big deal, but um, that's the things that are very normal um, that you, you just can't do. And I think, um, you know, with relationships and everything like that, you have to just be so selfish um, when you're doing something because, you know, you are trying to be so intrinsically motivated and you're trying to be the best at something. So you're, you're wanting to do things and you have to be willing to do things that others aren't willing to do. Um, which can, if you're, if you're the one on top, you're the only one, you know, sometimes there's not many people that you can relate to. So Mm. I think it's just having that confidence of going like, you know, it's just, um, it's being okay with just, wanting to do things differently. Um, mm. And even, you know, when I was in high school, I had to do weights at lunchtime and I was just willing to do that. But that probably sacrificed some of my, how close I was to, to schoolmates. And then mm. at uni, um, you know, I would have loved to go and do extra trips and done a double major or, you know, being able to do an extra year of study, but I didn't have the time because I wanted to row. And then, you know, I've missed weddings and I missed um, funerals and I've missed birthday parties and, and at the time you don't understand those big moments and, and what you're missing out on um, but the people that are around you and love you but they know that you've kind of got to go and do it because if you did sacrifice that and things didn't work out um, you know you, you you just never want to leave something anything no stone unturned so it, it, it comes with the you know you have some reflective of moments of um, you know, how I, how I interacted with other people, because I had to make sure that uh, the rowing was as calm seas as possible, but you would delay having hard conversations with people because you didn't want to rock the boat because you had 
you didn't want to stay up late because you had training in the morning, you know? So it's like, you can't actually unpack or you can't just let things, um, you know, it's, it's, it's not a normal mindset. And you're also in an institutionalized mindset where you're being conditioned to, to think as one with the team that you're in. So it does, that does can get quite insular. Um, but you know, I, I think the way that I look back on it now is that I've learned a lot. Um, but it was a mindset that you have to be in at that time because otherwise if you're not you're buying into it and you're not thinking, you, you can't think a moment past the race or the, the start line or the stroke that you're on. So it's hard to have that kind of holistic mindset um, or perspective, but it's just kind of taking that step back when you do, do have those down times of going, okay, what, what, what would I do differently if, if I was in that situation again? And, and um, I don't know if, you know, if I was presented, but I'm saying that from the mindset that I'm in now where I have perspective and I have a result and it, and it does feel yeah. worth it because I got everything that I wanted out of the sport um, yeah. or the experience and, you know, but I think it's, um, yeah, it's, it's, it's understanding that along the way you're going to, you know, not make mistakes, but there's things that you, you would do differently, but you, you really have to come from the premise that you're just doing the best of the time and you're just trying to survive a lot of the time. Yeah. So you're also so tired, like you're just yeah. stuffed all the time. So your brain's not making decisions, um, oh probably as logically as it, as it should. So <laughs> it's just, yeah, it's, it's, it's so complicated, but I think it's, um, it's just having the time and, and not being too hard on yourself and, and go, okay, if that, if that situation happens again, um, you know, what would I do? And if I was to go study again, you know, I would, I would probably go without doing the rowing. So I can have that experience, you know, I'm only 30, mm. so it's not like, you your rowing career ends or whatever I'm doing with my rowing. I'm not, not too sure at the moment. Um, yeah. But um, yeah, no, it's it's it. it, it there is definitely sacrifice. Um, mm-hmm. But I think that you 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 just have to be willing to do things that other people aren't if you want to do things that people can't. You know. So. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. Like you you touched on a good point there around like high performance cultures and and everything like that. One question I had was. What parts of your mindset do you think set you apart mm. from your competitors? And what do you see as like the downsides mm. to that mindset as well mm. as you reflect back on that? Um, I think uh, during 2020 when the Olympics were supposed to be um, and obviously COVID started ramping up and we were um, told that the Olympics will be delayed or postponed or cancelled um, and we were told you have to go back to your homes and just train for X amount of time. Um, and then we'll, we'll just give you a call when we know what's going on. Cause this is, and you know, bought a Bunnings marquee and put it in the backyard of mum and dad's and friggin' trained in the middle of winter on my own. Um, and I just remember thinking, look, I'm going to push myself harder than I want to make this as hard as possible. Um, so when it comes to actually competing against people, um, on the international stage that I know that I've, I've done, like made things so much harder for myself when I was in training that the, the competition will feel like a breeze. Um, and that's, uh, you know, I remember just thinking like there was just some freaking dark days, um, in, in, in Melbourne. Um, but you know, I think, um, there was one day, I remember when I first got back to Melbourne and I was sitting on the, on a stationary bike and, um, in the backyard and, and I was just sitting there and I hadn't started pedaling 
this is like day, you know, day two of, yeah. of our three month or four month lockdown. Mm. My mum came out and she was just chatting and excited to have me home. And, and then I was like, I have no idea how I'm going to do this. Like, I have no idea how I'm going to a deal with it. If the Olympics is going to be um, cancelled mm. and I don't know how I'm going to train by myself for X amount of time with no, like it was just too overwhelming to even comprehend. Mm. And then my mum pulled up a chair and she just sat there and she's like, I will sit with you for every single day if I need, if I need to. Just, just to know that someone is there and that you're not alone. And then there was a rowing machine as well and, and dad pulled out a rowing machine. He's like, oh, I might as well, you know, get fit. So it's like, you yeah. know, I think I just had the support <laughs> of like, you know, and I, and I think that I, 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 made, I made sure that I kind of mourned the fact that rowing, uh, sorry, that the Olympics wouldn't happen in 2020. Um, but really just try to change that mindset of going, you know what, I'm just going to, um, I'm just going to f- scale it back to, I'm just, well, A, there was nothing else to do, so I may as well train. Um, mm. and B, I just want to try to get better at this. Um, so even if the Olympics goes ahead or not, I can just be proud of myself that I actually tried and, and I, I wanted to get better. I didn't want to start, I wanted to come back to the training center or, whenever we would come together as a team um, and make sure that I was just better. And I, and I think that, and from that, I kind of, you know, really dumbed it down to that means every month we had a, like a little monitoring testing and I just tried to make sure that the the scores that I had from the previous month were better, you know, and it's just going, okay, well that's, you just broke, broke it down. And then from there you break it down into a couple of days and days. And sometimes you have to break it down into the minute, you know, and I think it's just, um, you know, I think that that's something that I really developed, um, over that COVID training time of just being willing to push myself alone harder than what I, you know, I had no idea what my competitors were doing, but just absolutely doing everything. Um, so I think that that's, you know, that, that was something at the time that I kind of developed. Um, but I don't think I would have been able to, if I didn't have that support from, from my family and friends. And I had, you know, really nice messages from a lot of my my uni mates and everything, um, and, you know, mates from all over my life, um, that was so supportive and, and, and just wanted to make sure that I was okay. You know, they didn't really care if the Olympics went ahead or not. Cause at the end of the day that there will be a day where I will not be, you know, that rowing's not going to be a thing anymore. So it's just more making sure, you know, I think that having that support of knowing that, um, you know, I just couldn't not, go to the Olympic games. And if I had the opportunity to go to the Olympic games, I didn't want to just go. I wanted to like win. So, you know, it's just kind of, which is, you know, as someone who'd never been to the Olympics before, it's pretty ambitious to go, okay, well, I want to win the damn thing. Um, but it's just going to that mindset of, well, someone has to, so why can't it be me and my teammates? So, um, yeah, no, I think, I think that that's the thing that that mindset, I can't remember what your question was, but I think that was a pretty good answer. Yeah, no, that was good. Uh, well, you, you, um, like the follow. The, the reason I asked that question is because I've actually, I, I had a follow on from that, and I think did I, already, uh, did you, I already go you, down you, a rabbit hole? So. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. You, yeah. you, you, you fell well for the bait. You guys created <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, I was gonna say, like, you mentioned there about you just wanted to win. Like, you wanted to make mm. sure you left everything on the table so you could win. And and the follow on question from that was. Like, how did your focus on winning impact your key relationships, mm. like family and friends, mm. outside of rowing? 
Um, and how did you manage through that? And, you know, looking back at that, would you do mm, anything yeah. differently in hindsight? That's, um, that's a good question. Yeah. I think um, the girls that I was, you know, the, the whole Australian rowing team, is, I have so much respect for because I think only us will know what, you know, I have no idea what other sports, but I think, you know, before I answer your question, I think what was special about this Olympic Games was that when we were in the village and then when we did come together as a team, um, as the Australian team or with all the other all the other countries, I think there was a mutual understanding of how hard that, you know, having an Olympics delayed a year, it really had this this special air of, 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 of you know, we, we actually were able to go through something really, really difficult. Um, and, you know, like you don't have to be best mates with them all, um, you know, but I think there's a massive mutual understanding of, you know, we actually did do something really, really cool and it was incredibly hard and I will always feel really connected to the, that the Australian team, um, the rowers especially, because, you know, we we only had each other to kind of identify, identify what that was like. Um, but um, with with regards to relationships, it, it, it is hard at times because um, I really... Um, I know that my when I'm really really exhausted and when I'm kind of focused on my communication goes down. Um, so I and I knew that um, something that I developed for the last couple of years was um, you know if something's wrong, making sure that I say it. Um, and I think at times I was getting very good at doing that in the rowing context with my teammates, um, with the girls that I was rowing with. But I think sometimes that let me down um with other with other relationships in my life because I was just so I was like I need to get better at communicating with my team and you're pretty much in a relationship with the with the girls that you're in the boats with because you have to know each other inside out you have to trust each other like you know it is a full it's a full-time marriage um with the girls that you're in because you have to really really trust them um and I think at times that you, you kind of have almost little brain farts yeah. of um you're so, so hyper aware of making sure that you're communicating and, and doing everything right in the rowing terms that when it comes to personal relationships, I find, found that um, I did kind of shut down um, because I just, I was at such capacity uh, mentally of mm-hmm. trying to make sure that, you know, we did two Olympic years back to back and physically that's really, really hard. Um, I was carrying a really bad back injury um, and I was wearing a back brace pretty much for the last six months of rowing. Mm. So I was in a lot of pain all the time um, and managing that. And then to try to, you know, on top of that, if there was, you know, um, not that I have too much drama in life, but, you know, it, it comes in, um, it comes in waves with, with different relationships. Um, and it was, it, and at times it really did let me down um, that I would, not communicate things when I should have, of, or, you know, it's not saying things straight away. And, and I think that's something that if I could go back, I, I, I would change, but, um, you know, you can't regret these things. And I think that that's, that's, that was, it was, it was very ironic because I would, um, start to get really good at communicating with, with rowing and then that was working. But I think it was, um, I would just be so exhausted to try to put that much energy into other things. So it's, um, yeah, it's it, it was a bit, to reflect back on it now. Um, you know, I guess it's like you know, all you can do is move forward and go. You know what that means. You know, it, that's going to happen with work when I'm you know on on big projects with with um, my colleagues of making sure that you, when you're trying to 
and you guys would know what you're like being in the same the same industry is like you know it's it, you're talking all the time and you're connected and you're engaged and you're really paying attention and listening and you're trying to contribute um and just making sure that you know when you come home it's taking the the time to whoever you live with or family and stuff to actually stay connected and not you know instantly shut down because i think um you know just kind of but maybe you know the the biggest lessons from that is sometimes that you just need to have space and and instead of trying to have just crappy conversations actually going you know I just need a bit of time to you know process what happened with my day and you know I might be work with the rowing context you know I might not have had a good rowing day but actually processing that and and then having a bit of me time and then kind of clicking into a bit of a gear of um okay now I'm you know investing in my relationships in my personal life as well so mm. um yeah that's something that I've learned going forward is like you know making sure that you're fostering all relationships and and communicating when you don't want to communicate and just be like okay let's just you know yeah. I think that's the thing of just kind of having that that self-awareness so mm. um yeah definitely I think it's 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 really hard because you're yeah you're so focused on what you're doing and just you're just trying to do your best in well from my perspective within mm. um you know trying to be in high performance but it's making sure that um going back to the kind of being a, a more well-rounded person of, of making sure that you you take those skill sets into your personal life as well so yeah. um yeah no it's it's it, it was a very a good learning um going into my 30s now that i'm 30 mm, yeah for the next 30 years. Nah. That's, yeah. <laughs> no, exactly. Thank you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's a lot of... You don't look 30 at all. So I said I looked 22 the other day. I was chuffed. I mean, yeah. Yeah. I haven't, I haven't, yeah, yeah, that's what I was going to say. Oh, <laughs> yeah, I was good, born in 2000. Yeah, yeah. No, born in 2000, yeah. It's so good. I, even, like, even Sonny and I were both born in 1998 and we're like, those were born in 2000. It's oh, like a wow. whole different generation. Like, mm. I don't know. Yeah. Even though it's only two years, I feel like it's a whole different generation. Um, yeah. I, have, I have a question. We, we need to increase our skincare, mate. I think. Skincare, nah, skincare <laughs> routine definitely needs to improve. My one definitely needs to improve. Right, a bit yeah. of vitamin E. We can, we can, we can, we can talk offline. I can show you my uh, Yeah, that'd be good. <laughs> I, I'm using I'm using a bit of ordinary, but it's not really doing oh, anything as you can see. Yeah. <laughs> is that a paid is that a paid sponsorship? Uh, <laughs> yeah. they, they don't even know it's paid, so it's uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. they're getting a the shout out. <laughs> yeah, you shout out. Yeah. Well, um, that it was um, now vitamin E cream, v- vitamin E invite mm. cream, Sunny. That's where you wanna. Oh. I've got them all next to me, which is really weird. But anyways. Yeah. Are <laughs> no, you mate. in your bathroom? No, no, no. I, just, I, I keep them here because yeah, it's easy. Yeah. Oh, convenient. Yeah, and no, my mate. brother always steals them, so it's like, get your own, mate. Yeah. <laughs> Sonny, mate, you need you need to get on the invite vitamin E invite cream, mate. I don't know what yeah. you're doing with the suitcase. Oh. Chemist warehouse, mate. Chemist warehouse. Yeah, yeah. Oh um, my gosh, God, guys, talking about skincare is hilarious. Yeah. <laughs> like buy this four dollar thing from Chemist yeah. warehouse. The girl's like. Here's a $400 yeah. thing. Yeah. That's the like, size of a pea. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Oh, God. Yeah. Um, um, wait, I, I, have a qu- I have a quick question, um, Rosie. Do, uh, do you plan on... Mm. How, how's the, what's the rowing... What's the, What does the rowing future look like for you now? Do you plan on mm. competing in 2024, I think, the next Olympics is? That, that is the next Olympic Games. Um, so I told... Um, I'm mentally just giving myself a year. So um, I think my coach, my coach asked me one week after being on the podium, like what my plans were. And I said, John, you've just got to give me 51 more weeks. I need a year just to really process it. And they've been really good at, um, at 
supporting me and, and understanding that, um, you know, I, I need, I definitely need time to unpack things and, and maybe my process is different, but I need to really make sure that because I do, I really have achieved everything that I, you know, at that point, yeah. I've, I've achieved everything that I want in the sport. Yeah. Um, and if I do go back, it's going to be, I have to make sure that it's for a, a purpose. I can't just do it because it's something that I've done. In, and I think it's just kind of searching for that. What's that thing that will drive me and, and, and um, make me willing to kind of go? Because I know what it takes now and it's exactly. freaking hard. Yeah. Um, so I want to be making sure that I'm willing to... Um, yeah, I just you you want to make it feel feel worthwhile, and and mm. so I've just been kind of you know dabbling in 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 the real world and and doing all this other stuff and, and making sure I'm trying lots of different things. Yeah. Um, so if I do go back, it is for the right reasons, and I know what my what my purpose is yeah. um, because it's really not that far away. So yeah, um, exactly. Yeah. yeah, but I think what what's been great is I I have. Uh, my time has been really respected and everyone's being supportive and, I, and I, I, I never will be, even though I've taken a massive step back from rowing at the moment, I will never, it, I don't think I'll ever do an official retirement or, you know, I'll, I'll never, you know, make a big song and dance about it because I, my relationship with the sport will just change. And, change I, and yeah. I think it's given me so much that, um, you know, I, I always want to feel connected um, and I have a very good relationship with the sport at the moment. Like I don't feel burnt out from it and I don't feel um, resentful of it, um, which I did in 2016. Like, you mm. know, I, 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 I really, I hated the sport in 2016 when, mm. um, when I didn't miss out, when I missed out. But then, you know, once you kind of take a step back, I realized that I was just incredibly sad that... Yes. It wasn't had anything to do with rowing. It was the fact that, and I, and I never want to feel that way about rowing because it has given me so much and it is, um, uniquely just, you know, it is family to me. Um, because you know, a lot of my, like, you know, a lot of my family friends are are Olympic medalists, you know, from the eighties, you know, so it's, you know, it's, 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 um, it's just part of who I am. And, and, and instead of trying to push back and be like, Oh, I'm not going to, be involved with throwing be like no my my whatever it will be it will be um yeah. and and I, I never want to to uh resent the sport because it's it's very very special yeah it um i think you, i was gonna ask a follow-up question but i think you've, you've pretty much answered it there uh, oh, Rosie, yes. I, well yeah i know because I, I was gonna say <laughs> yeah. I, I was gonna i was gonna ask because like if, if, you, if you do compete in, you compete in 2024 um, would you be able mm. to sort of take a look at the next year and really, really enjoy your rowing career, your rowing career now that you know you've you've, mm. you've achieved such an a massive such a massive feat? Yeah, I would be I'd be keen to know. Like, you know, would you Jake, do you think you'd enjoy it much more now, given that you've already you have the comfort of sleeping mm. with a gold medal from Tokyo? I think um, it's so difficult because I think there's it, that it could go down two very distinct pathways, right? Mm. Because um, you'll go back and then you'll be a defending Olympic champion, um, which means that there is an, a, the expectation, but you don't want to have that moment where you, you've, uh, you're just doing it and you have just relief that you didn't lose. Um, I think that's a very different mindset of going, look, I've got this thing and you know, the, the Olympic cycle, the, the, the games, it's not a point system where, you know, because I'm an Olympic champion I'm going to start three seconds ahead of everybody else you know it's a very equalizing thing and going well it's actually a mutually exclusive competition it's it is the same under the it's got the same name to it but it's a completely different race with different people in it um 
And I think, you know, I was, how I was talking about, you know, that I just wanted to win. You know, that was my mindset kind of coming into to, to Tokyo. I think um, with a sport like rowing, there's nothing that you can do to f- affect what other people are doing, like what your competitors are doing. It's, an, it's a purely offensive sport. Um, mm. So you just have to, you know, I think that what my crew did really well was that we were going, if we just do what we know we're capable of doing and do mm. it every day in training, then like we don't know if anyone can be faster than that because what we're doing is amazing. Um, so it's kind of like we had that mindset of, of training as hard as we could every single day. So then when it came to the, the, the final that um, we a knew that we had nothing to lose because even though there was so much expectation on our boat to win, um, we came in as the raging favourites. But, but John, our coach, was we met um, before we went to... Tokyo yeah. um, before we got on the plane he goes look this this crew itself has never actually raced internationally before so you can either take it even though where you're the raging favorites but this four has like four individuals in it has actually never raced but we know how good we are um, and we'd proven to each other and to ourselves that every single day when we were together on that four and, and I think that that was the, the the beauty of that the chemistry of that boat it was so special mm-hmm. um and, you know, I, 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 I can't, you know, comprehend how special those people are to me. Um, and everyone that had been part of it to create that, that journey. Um, so I think if I was to go, go back again, I would love to have that mindset of, of, of not, not doing it because I think that I have to. Um, and also not doing it and feeling like if I don't win, then that's, um, then... Um, that that's classified as a failure because mm. you it's an outdoor sport. There's so much that can happen um, that you want to just do, um, you know, what you're capable of doing. And, and, and I think that uh, one of my great teammates and, and good friends, Annabelle, she uh, was in the boat with me and, and, and she has this amazing ability to just do, um, yeah, Annabelle McIntyre. She just has this amazing ability just to go, I know what I'm capable of doing and, and executing that. Mm. And her, her, her capable is, amazing um and that was and i think that um you know being surrounded by those kind of people um and annabelle's just one example there's so many amazing people that you come across but and just going all i need to do is just do my best and you know sometimes your best is is a gold medal but sometimes your best is getting out of bed in the morning and um you know just if you're having a bad day just going for a walk or you know just try you know like i think that your best um, every single day is so different. Um, and, you know, especially coming off the games and, and there's been really, there's been some tricky times of, you know, just the post-Olympic come down and stuff like that. But, mm. you know, it's actually just going, you know, sometimes you're not going to be that good. You're going to be yeah. kind of a bit, piece of shit. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, and it's, um, but, you know, and that's, that's the best that you're going to be on that day. Yeah. Um, and, and that's what I think that if I was just going to go back to the get, to, to, to compete at the Olympics or, you know, trial to, you know, I don't know if I would make it, you know, it's yeah. just, you got, I still have to get selected. So, selected, yeah. um, Very you hard. know, I think it's just, you, you, you never want to do anything just because you think that you have to. Mm. Um, and, and I think that if I was on the start line of Paris, I, I want to be there for the right reasons. Definitely. No, um, yeah, that, that's, uh, there's so much that there's so much to unpack there as well. I think like it's, um, 
Oh, one <laughs> of the follow on. Yeah, well, no, I, I, I have a follow on like just at the last comment, but I want to I want to try and get this one other, other other part out. It was like, and I remember watching your race as well, and I think I, from memory, I'm not sure if it was. I'm pretty sure it was like it got really close at the end. Actually, I think you guys only won by like, yeah. like half a second or point three four. Yeah, it was like yeah something even less than oh, that. So it's like too close, yuck. <laughs> but I, and I think from from memory, it was like at the start. I think you guys were you had a bit of a lead, but then at the end, it was just like mm. oh, I, don't, I, don't, I don't, can't remember exactly if it was like you know you were close to out but i from memory mm. it was like you guys were comfortable and then all of a sudden then the i think it was netherlands or canada or i think it was netherlands yeah, yeah. They, they sort of just came back yeah. and um mm. you know so was there my question was was there a memory or like was there like a moment in your life where you drew inspiration from or drew strength from during that time when you saw like this boat coming coming up to you and they were about to pass you was there like a, a moment that that you sort of look back on and like okay i'm going to use this as my strength and to try and get us over the line well it's, yeah it's yeah <laughs> yeah um, I think that we had in rowing, you have kind of a race plan, so yeah. it's a two kilometer race. So you, you break it down into, so Lucy, who sat, who sat behind me, um, she's kind of the one making the calls on the boat. Mm. Um, so you have different kind of tactics throughout the race. Mm. And, um, we had practiced that race plan every single day, um, every single session for the last two kilometers um of our rows mm. she would call this race plan and she we would visualize she would do visual different visualizations so some days we'd come out and um and we'd be behind and then would be, she would kind of coach us through okay this is what we're going to do you know Netherlands in front blah, blah blah we knew that the Dutch would be really really good and, and um obviously everyone was very good but we knew that our major competition would probably be the dutch and the irish mm. um and so what we would do is that we actually would for months before um we every day we would and two three times a day how many times we were rowing lucy would call the the um the race so we were so comfortable with it and and we studied the, what the course would look like because we weren't able to actually get there before so mm. there was you know the wind turbines on our right, um, we would come under a bridge at a certain point. Um, yeah. We knew that the way, because it's kind of like, um, it's kind of like rowing out of the docklands here. That's kind of the similar. Yeah. Um, um, and we knew that because it was salt water, the water would feel different. It's more buoyant to row in and it was very hot and it was very humid. Mm. And, and in rowing, when that happens in hot, hot water makes both, um, uh, races usually go faster mm. um you can go fast but it also the way with salt water it, it actually changes the way that it feels um when you are rowing so we kind of did all our homework um and we became so comfortable and i think one of the last ones that lucy called in our preparation was the dutch coming through and just making sure that we just did the race plan because yeah. she was like they're coming it's fine um yeah. And it was just crazy that she kind of almost manifested like exactly what happened. Um, yeah. And yeah, for anyone listening, if you haven't watched it, I definitely, if you want to you know, get your heartbeat, it's I was so close. I was, it, um, it was like, it, it was like, so 10 a, it, it was so like nice. 10 a.m. over here. And I was like, it was actually during yeah. work and I had, I, had, I was sleeping yeah. on my bed and I was like, I was dialed into a yeah. meeting, but I put it on mute. Um, and I, put, yeah. I turned my camera off. I was watching. I'm like, holy. Oh, oh I, was I like, know. Yeah. But in the time, yeah. But at the moment, um it was so it sounds crazy but it was so calm because yeah. uh lucy is probably one of the most competitive people i've ever met and if mm. and if she's saying we're good then i know that we're good yeah um but uh just to, to go back to to what i was saying before that mm. at that moment when it was getting really close um 
because of the way that the wind was blowing, um, there was a lot of water coming into the boat because mm. it was a side breeze and my handle on my oar got really, really slippery and my left hand was actually sliding down the oar. So I um, was very conscious that I didn't want to lose control because I, um, it was just really slippery and I yeah. you have to kind of, um, you have to turn um, the handle when you're rowing to make the, the blade yeah. kind of, Feather and square. Yeah. And um, I, I was kind of at the point where I almost couldn't control it anymore because it was that slippery. And I, my mindset was actually like, just feather and square your blade. And I actually, I think from that, I was so focused on that moment and just listening to Lucy saying that we're good. But all I, I think it just kind of, kind of was almost like a mindful thing that I'm like, all I need to focus on right now is, is not losing control of my handle. Um, and I think in, in that, that helped me just really ground it. Um, so that was a very distinct moment, um, during the race where all these things was happening. I was like, you cannot crab right now. Yeah. So just listen to Lucy and feather and square your blade. Yeah. Um, and I think that really, and that was the last couple hundred meters, but I think that, yeah, that was, I think, cause we had practiced that so much that it was just such routine. Yeah. Um, but the, yeah, but then the, the race itself, um, I think it, I remember pretty much everything. It went so, so quickly. Um, mm. but, but I think the, the, the feeling within it, because it's so, um, familiar, but it's on such a heightened, um, scale. Mm. I think it's, it's, it's interesting to see where your mindset go to, but it just goes back to trusting the girls that you're with because, mm. you know, in a boat, you're only 25% within a four. So mm. there's so much that I can't control. So you have to be very confident what's happening around mm. you um, and what everyone else is doing. Um, mm. But I think, yeah, just coming back down to the basics, which is funny because, you know, just squaring and feathering your blade or something, it's like rowing 101. 101 like yeah. when you oh, in the learn to row program. So, yeah. um, yeah, I think that that's a thing that we just have so much trust that there was never a distinct moment because if you go and do something different that you haven't been training, then mm. you just don't want to go rogue. Um, mm. So, uh, yeah, I think we just ex- we, we just executed the plan um, yeah. because we knew that if we just did our best, then mm. we would probably win. Yeah. Which is just a crazy mindset to go into. Yeah. Because I, I just went into the... I went into the Olympics just being like, I know that we will win. Yeah. And it was, and it was just, you have to develop that, that confidence. confidence, Um, because you can't from you, I think that your competitors, because everyone is so good. Yeah. If they get a sniff that you're doubting yourself, people will absolutely take advantage of it. So maybe it's a blind, a blind confidence of the time. Um, that you just can't, you can't doubt yourself. Yeah. It's so yeah. cool how you remember like every single detail. Like it's so like it just shows mm. you mean it means so much to you. Like it's just like even like with yeah. the you, you even know exact you you even remember the exact time that like the that you guys wrote like you guys wrote and like yeah. the time difference between you and the Danish. Like it's pretty yeah uh, not Danish Dutch sorry um so yeah the it's Dutch, it's, yeah. it's really like yeah this is pretty fascinating because I, <laughs> I hear a lot of like. Like a lot of um, so I'm a big Federer fan. Um, and what he when, when mm, he's in those big moments, he says like, yeah. And in those big moments, I was watching an interview with him, and one of his things is like, because he's so in the zone, like he doesn't really mm. remember much. Like he just lets his instinct take over. Mm. Mm. But it's so cool, like to get like to get a different perspective. Like you know, exactly. Your pla- everything was so planned and structured within your within your entire mm. like thing. It's like. You know, um, you, you remember everything, which is like really every moment's yeah. yeah. Every every moment's accounted for. So even yeah. 
um, kind of getting into the gear, we would do five minutes. So we get onto the start line mm. and five minutes before we would almost do like a visualization. It was kind of like a mindful practice and, and Lucy yeah. would take us through. So five minutes before, um, and this was something that we worked, but we didn't just do it for the Olympics. We did it for domestic races. We did it for training races. We did it for training, you know, and it's like we would just practice it. And it was five minutes before um, just reflecting on everything that you've pretty much done in your rowing career mm. to get you to this bit. And yeah. then four minutes before being aware of your surroundings, three minutes before, um, you know, reflecting on what you've done. And it's just, and then two minutes before kind of, um, you know, thinking about how you want to feel middle of the race and then one minute for you're only just going to focus on the first stroke. So, you know, it's just kind of thinking, you know, even in that ritual of, of, of getting your mindset into the right thing. And, and I think, um, you know, we all had our different warm ups and we all had a different way of going about it in this four. Um, but when we're on the water, we were so in sync. And I think that's what made us very special that we were all, individuals and we all did we were all very very different and we did different things but we really respected that um and then but we knew when we were on the water we were just absolutely one unit you know mm. every we two arms and two legs you know and, mm. and we were kind of one body together so mm. um i think it, yeah it was just kind of 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 how do you prepare for those big big moments um and what it comes down to is that you've just got to go back to what you've practiced um mm. And yeah, it was, it is kind of out of body. I mean, it, it did feel very out of body, but it was, um, you know, if I, I, if I overthought it, um, I think, you know, we could have torn it apart. Um, yeah. But lucky that didn't happen. Yeah, definitely. Not lucky. I mean, I was like, I'm all very orchestrated. Oh, you're yeah, orchestrated, yeah. anything up to luck. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the, um... One, one, one question that came to mind, you know, we've talked a lot about your teammates, Rosie, and then I, I'm curious to know, like, the role your coach played and, and other role models and mentors as well. Like, one thing, as I have more conversations with people, like, the import, like, obviously having a good role model helps, like, having a good role model growing up, but I think what I'm realizing now, the importance of having that at every point in your life, and also, as well, like, having a coach for different aspects of your life as well like I'm, I'm realizing the power of that now and um like you know even uh the other night i was at like this um startup night there was a couple of people there and one of the guys was uh, a friend of mine from uni and he's building his own startup now and he was kind of talking about how they're getting or he's getting mentored by um the founder of seek andrew bassett and and how um one conversation one half an hour call has saved him four months worth of work um and and that was just a, like a little snippet of like yeah like a little snippet of like the power of role modeling and mentorship and that's an example of like i guess the um efficiency that he's gained but there's also the mm. values that you pick up from from cool role mm. models that you have in your life so um it's a twofold question like the role that your coach has played mm. in in your development and i guess how you're conscious about crafting your mm. own role models and yeah and mentors awesome around question you. so I've, I've had three very distinct coaches um I think that I've had a lot of coaches in my life, but there's three that um, for me were very, or have been and will continue to be very pivotal in my life. So um, David Orchard, who um, was my coach here when I first started rowing when I was 14, um, a very, very gentle soul. And he's, he nurtured me in kind of developing kind of my, my single sculling skills, but was a, a very, um, a very, uh, 
uh, kind of met me where with where I at. He, he really believed in me, but also didn't push me kind of beyond, um, you know, never made me feel unsafe and kind of, you know, I think there's in life you kind of go, oh, I can do that. But he kind of gently pushed those, those um, barriers out to kind of slowly expand what you know that you're capable of doing. Um, and he is someone that, you know, throughout my 15 years of rowing, whenever I'm back in, um, back in Melbourne, I'll come, I'll go and um, go get coached by him for, for a bit and kind of just, you know, tweak up because he's very good technical coach and very gentle um, and such a caring soul um, and such a, an amazing person for the rowing community. So he was kind of the, my first pillar where he was just that very gentle person that will always just encourage. And then I had um, David, Dave O'Neill, who was my coach at, at Berkeley. And, and he was, he's now at, um, at Texas there and doing some really great stuff. But he was, he, he was instrumental in making me understand that you're greater than like the sum is greater than the parts. So the Berkeley community was, uh, the, the Berkeley team was over 50 girls, but you know, he was amazing. And, you know, the little lessons that you learn of, you know, when you have a really good result or you a really bad result, you know, not letting the highs get too highs, the lows get too lows and trying to have that even Steven, um, uh, kind of mindset as well as, you know, there's so many girls in the team. There's only one first eight, but there's still so many others. And, and how do you make the, the lowest ranked crew feel as valued and as important as the highest ranked crew? Because at the end of the day, it's about being kind of that, that team mentality. And so that was, you know, the David and David and then and John Keo, who was my coach in, um, in, in for the last four years, he's been, um, you know, he's, he really believes in me and, and, and trusts me and, and we have a very good, good relationship as well so you know and that was kind of marrying the two where you learn how to row technically well and 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 kind of on your own through through David Orchard and you you'd know how to do the big rah-rah team hype up stuff in in California and then you come to the Aussie team and you marry up that you row really really hard you row for each other but you also kind of um you know you 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 you'd be the best version of yourself so I think that that's something that you know, John's done and the the team there at Rowing Australia at the moment, um, you know, and I think it was just kind of a perfect storm to, to, to come into the, the way that the structure of Rowing Australia is for me, because it, it was very, a similar, um, environment of, 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 of living and training and, and working with the girls, um, as it was with, with Berkeley. So I, I, I felt very comfortable of, of, um, being in a team environment all the time, but kind of uh, the lessons that I learned from, from uni was making sure that I have my own identity with that and my identity outside of rowing as well. So, um, you know, I think that th- those are the three kind of the coaches in my life, um, that have been very instrumental. And I think through that, I've learned so much about myself. Um, and, and I think they're doing amazing things, um, in terms of mentoring and coaching now, I think, um, you know, I think for, for me, the, the peer mentoring of um, leading by example is, is a very powerful thing. I think, you know, you can have very formal mentoring programs or you can have very formal leadership stuff. But at the end of the day, um, you know, team culture and team leadership and, and uh, you know, it, it is a very organic thing for to be sustainable. Um, and you kind of have to find your people, not just be like, OK, you're a you're an engineer, you're an engineer, therefore you will be an engineer mentor. You know, it's like, it's just finding those, 
those people that kind of get you an understanding that, you know, yes, I have, I don't have much exp- huge amounts of experience in what I'm doing now. Um, but the lessons that I, that I'm learning, it's just, um, you know, fostering all the skill sets that you have and, and the, the work that I'm doing now, there's so many people with really diverse backgrounds and, and, and how do you kind of find that, that team chemistry and that, um, and everyone has a part to play, which I think is, is a really good thing that you don't have to have the answers on your own, but now you kind of coming up with a, a formula or a cocktail together to try to make some really cool change. So yeah, no, it's, um, yeah, that's, um, that's kind of where I'm at now. And, and I'd love to, you know, in terms of rowing community or sport, I think, as someone that's got a platform now, I think that to, to try to get, you know, especially young, young women and young people after the pandemic to get back into participating in sport and, and getting, and getting socially connected again and, and communicating and, you know, really trying to like, if I can leave a legacy of, of making that, um, you know, building that kind of stuff up that will you know, make me so happy so that's kind of where I'm at that okay what do I use with my platform now that people will listen to me because I got a, sh- a shiny necklace um you know <laughs> how can I make that for the greater good how can I you know make some things and help <laughs> some people out that need to so that's kind of the, the next stage <laughs> for me whatever that ends up being that is a that is a yeah. perfect mm. segue into the next question actually the uh, <laughs> that is um one one thing like Mank and I when we were um kind of thinking about the questions and um, you know thinking about mm. topics we could talk about and you hinted at this uh, very early on in our conversation was this idea around um, mm. uh, gender equality um, and I, I'm curious to know like um, you know for me and I when we started doing the podcasting mm. around men's mental health obviously within the South Asian uh, community mental health mm. isn't spoken about so much and so for us we struggled finding good mm. like mentors or seeing um I guess seeing idols out there that we could kind of look up to and, and you know, there's still wonderful South Asians that are doing great things, but mm. it was just a little bit harder. Um, and, you know, obviously for you being on, on the stage and, you know, the four women that you are that, that contributed to the Cox list. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think it's Cox list. Uh, no, no, that's I, good. I stuff yeah, up my words. Um, uh, yeah, that's it. Yep. Uh, um, like I can only imagine that there's so many other young women out there that mm. are looking up to mm. you guys as idols. Um, and, uh, I guess the question here is like, what did winning mean for for mm. like for you guys um, for gender yeah. equality in the sport? And, and yeah, what I think it's um that's a great question. I think that you know this was the first Olympics that in rowing that it was the same um, amount of opportunity for the, for men and women with the amount of seats that were available for rowing. So it was the first time that 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 happened, and and that was something that's uh, in, incredible to be part of. Um, and, you know, of the 16 medals that, that the rowers won at the, the Olympic Games, eight were women, eight were men. It was just, you know, it's so cool to, to have that where it's, it, we get paid the same, we get the same kit, you know, you get the same opportunity. It was just amazing to actually go, this is, you know, we were equally respected. And I think that's a really um, a cool thing. And I think, I've been, I think I've been really lucky in my life where um, having you know, a very strong female role model being my mum in my life that I've never felt disadvantaged for being a female. Um, and I think that, you know, now having the platform that you, know, you get a bit of visibility around, um, you know, there is some inequality obviously still happening in the fact that we still have International Women's Day of, you know, still trying to push things, you know, that it's not the norm yet that it is just equal, you know, and I think that that's not just men and female, it's 
it's, you know, it's, it is going beyond that. And I think it's just fundamentally that people should have, uh, you know, the same amount of opportunities presented to them, regardless of where they sit, um, in how they identify and what gender they identify with. You know, it's like, so it's, it's just, it's such a big topic. Um, but to have a platform of just, you know, promoting that you, um, ultimately, how do I want to phrase this? Mm. Um, just being the best version of yourself yeah. and doing the best with what you've got is so incredibly powerful. Yeah. And, um, I think that I would love to see, you know, people not get in the way of other people. Um, but at the end of the day, I think it's not getting in the way of yourself either. So, mm. um, you know, there's a, there's a few different, few different layers to it, but, you know, I think to have the platform now that I, if I can try to make a difference, um, in re- regards to gender inequality, I would, I would feel incredibly privileged, um, yeah. you know, to have a part to play. So I didn't really answer your question at all, but, um, <laughs> no, no, you yeah, <laughs> no, it's a, it's, I, yeah, no, but I think it's also like, you know, I wanted to do a guest speaking thing the other day and I was, um, one of the girls that was there and she had to get out of the room cause she was so overwhelmed that I was there. She, she started crying and she had to leave cause she's, thought she was going to vomit because she was so excited that I was there. And I was like, I had no idea that, you know, oh, you can wow. have that impact on people by yeah. just being you, yeah. um, you know, and it's, and I, I think that really hit me that I was like, oh my gosh, like, you know, I, those things, you kind of realize what, how, what you've done is just so major. Um, but to actually help give back and, you know, if you, you, you say something that might've resonated with, with, with someone, um, that may have helped them. I feel like that's incredibly gratifying. Yeah. I, I, I really like, mm. like one thing that's coming out uh, throughout the conversation is like, you are so incredibly authentic in the way that you own. And uh, I guess, how do I phrase it? Um, like you're very proud of the achievement that you've had. And I think it's really nice to, to see mm. that and hear that from you. Cause I think often mm. the world and, you know, tall poppy syndrome is a huge thing in Australia. Right. And, and mm. it's like, absolutely. I don't know. I don't know if I hate it, but not that I hate this, but like sometimes I'm just like when people shy away from the achievements that they've had, like mm. you should own that. Mm. Like you, you've had a wonderful Absolutely. achievement. You've worked so incredibly hard to get <laughs> to where you are. But so often I've been guilty of this. It's like, you know, you've kind of done a mm. really cool thing, but you kind of shy away from like, oh, no, 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 it's nothing. Or like, ah, yeah. oh, like yeah. it's not really that big of an impact, but fuck yeah, it is. <laughs> it's a huge impact. Yeah. <laughs> Like, yeah. <laughs> and and, and oh, no, I think just, like, I mean, yeah, I, 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 I really like the fact that, um, yeah, it's just coming out in the way that you speak and I, I find it really inspiring. Oh, and, thank you. Um, mm. Yeah, I don't know. I, I really like thank it. I, I, I just wanted to add I, that in. <laughs> oh, oh, thank you. Yeah, I think tall poppy syndrome is, I think that's something that I talk a lot um, about with people uh, that it's, it's, it, you don't have to be, uh, you know, you don't have to be arrogant or anything yeah. cocky about it or mm. arrogant. It's not about that. I think it's just going like, you know, it's, it's just something that you go, you, you, what's the point of living if you're not proud mm. of yourself? I think that that's the, like, you know what? I think that, you know, maybe it's almost seen as uncool not to be kind of content mm. and happy and, and, but also being open to know that you're not perfect and you're not, um, 
you know, being, being vulnerable enough to actually go, you're like, I've still got stuff to improve mm. on. But I mm. think that, you know, to have those little moments in life where I think that that's something that I've, I've, I've really tried to celebrate more, um, mm. coming out of the rowing community because not out of it, but I coming out of elite athlete mindset because you're, you're so going, okay, well, I've got to go achieve this. And then once you get that, you go, mm. what's next, what's next, what's next? Mm. Um, that you never give yourself the moment that when you do achieve it, you're like, holy shit, I did mm. it. You know, yeah. and I think that I've been, you know, pushing shit uphill for so long to try to get to this point. Mm. And I'm like, I got there. That's so, like, thank God. I, you know, I, and, you know, the get it going across the finish line, you know, I, I, I started crying because I was just so relieved that it, it actually happened. Mm. Um, and I think in that moment, I probably didn't celebrate it at, at the time because I went straight away to, I, I remember I watched the racing video and, and uh, there was a few strokes that I, I thought I didn't row that mm. well. And I was like, are you actually serious, Rosie? Like, <laughs> shut up. Like, you did it. <laughs> you <want> it. <laughs> but it's like that, it's that, self impro- that constant self-improvement. Mm-hmm. But I think it's important to check yourself and going, okay, yeah, I'm really proud of myself. Yeah, there's three, there's three strokes there that I would change. But, you know, job done, <laughs> box ticked, you know. So, I don't know. I'd, I would love to, yeah eradicate tall poppy syndrome yeah. that would be great yeah. but thank you I'm, I appreciate mm. it I, I think that. accept, really accepting nice compliments is a superpower and I don't think we appreciate that enough oh. yeah. Uh, uh, yeah yes maybe we can change that <laughs> um, to, to wrap up we've had, we've had a really good conversation mm. um, Rosie and I guess so yeah, to, to, to wrap great. up um, we wanted to touch a little bit on the Rosemary Local um, which, is a, which, is, mm. which, is your, which is your business that you run on the side Mm-hmm. Um, you know, how did mm-hmm. it come about? How did it ideate? And I guess mm. like, what's the philosophy behind it? Yeah, cool. So Rosemary Local is an e-commerce platform that I started in, in August of 2020. So um, I actually started it during lockdown. And it, I think it was something to kind of keep me keep me sane. Yeah, so, you know, I, I tried the sourdough bread for you know, two seconds. <laughs> but I thought, start, maybe start a business instead. I don't know, whatever. Um, Good sourdough is hard to come by. Um, but yeah, exactly. <laughs> Um, so I, so Lucy Stefan, who is actually my crew, um, she's a really, really creative person. Um, and she started making these little knickknacks and stuff like that. That was just so cool. And I remember going to her, I was like, why don't you sell this? This is awesome. Mm. And she's like, the thought of selling all this stuff just makes me stressed. And I do all this work to, as like a mindful practice of just kind of creating these things. And I, I love the idea of just creating something that she's like, yeah, I'd love to sell it, but it just it makes me stressed, which is kind of counterintuitive. And I, and I, I started chatting to some of my other mates who kind of in more in creative um, spaces and the same, it was like, a, it kind of resonated that message of they want to sell their stuff online or they don't, they a don't have the time to, cause they're really busy or the actual like business boring side of it for them, like actually detracts from the actual point of doing this cool stuff. And I thought, well, is there a, like a platform that kind of, supports you in that way and, and it doesn't really seem to so I guess it's just a, a, a an e-commerce platform that sells arts and crafts and different little creative products but it, it is just celebrating that people are more than you know more than a row and more than a mum more than dad they're like they're just kind of um you know it's their little side hustle that they do and it's just supporting that end-to-end um business element for them so they just have more time to be able to do stuff that they love um and I just thought how do I use my platform to kind of promote them so that's been since August of 2020 and, um, you know, it, it, it ebbs and flows and what commitment I can put into it. Um, 
but I'm just trying to create something that's, um, you know, it's just helping support other people. And I think that, you know, so many people supported me on my journey to, to in my rowing that if I can do that in, in, in a more creative space, that would be really cool. So I love it. It's just a little passion project and you never know what it's going to go, but it's, um, it's really fun and it's, and it's a bit quirky, but it's, um, it's something that I created and I thought, you know, it's kind of that, what, what do I have to lose? Like I'll give it a few years and if it ends up not being anything, then, you know, no one's going to be like, Oh, you lose. I just try to start a business. It's, you know, it's like, no, like I had a crack, um, learned a lot, you know, and it's, um, it's been Mm. fun. So it's, yeah, it's been a, it's a cool process and and it was actually really good to connect to, kind of the more like creative mates and, and people while I was rowing, it made me feel a bit more connected, um, you know, when with rowing, with, with being in the rowing community. Um, so yeah, no, it's, that's, that's it. Yeah. It's, it's thanks for the plug. I appreciate it. <laughs> yes. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. Nah, it was, um, no, nah, we've had, we've, nah, this is, this has been really good. Um, Rosie, like it's been it's been really and like um, one of the things that Sonny and I have been really big on uh since the very beginning um it's like I guess like we we're talking about hum- humbleness just before Rosie and it was just like um we, we, we I think Sonny and I will always be very like grateful and we'll never take for granted like the the time that people come on like take to come on and, and share their own story um and yeah like now, now that you have come on you're part of the bottled up family now um so now we can actually call you our friend hopefully um after this after this combo um just much like tom boyd is our friend shout out to him if, he, if he's listening <laughs> um yeah whatever you claim it um yeah no but um no thank you so much uh rosie it's been a really awesome conversation um i think it's a and you know i can't wait to edit this one it's gonna be it's, it's gonna be great um and it's always good like looking back at these conversations like you know a couple of years down the line and we'll, we'll know that we get to speak to so many interesting people and um yeah you guys are doing such great stuff no, i think it's you. um yeah, it would be almost funny to do, like, retrospective with people in, like, five years, ask some yeah. questions and see what they answered. Yeah, um, exactly. So I'm sure it will change. Yeah, 100%. But, yeah, no, thank um, you so much for having me. It's um, It's been so much fun, and, and you guys um, are doing such a cool thing in the space. I think it's really important, especially for, for men to, you know, talk up and, and you know, it, even coming in, of, you know, not, not being a male, but I think it's... um you know, just having the conversations and having the chats and, and being vulnerable and, you know, being okay and being not okay sometimes. Um, and knowing, you know, I think that's, you know, it's cool. It's really, really cool what you guys are doing. So you should be proud. Thank you so you much. Pat on the back. That's so nice. <laughs> oh, that's so nice. Yeah. Yeah. Now I'll do yeah. a podcast on you guys. Yeah. Now, no, it's really nothing, honestly. Yeah. Like, it, it's... <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, it's no big deal. Whatever. It's no big yeah. deal. It's no big deal. <laughs> Um, but no, thank you. Sonny, I'm not sure if anything on your end, mate, but, um, um, no, not really. Like the last thing is just like, even though we're a men's mental health podcast, like we very much like, um, you know, we've had people that are females, we have women and people that are non-binary. Cause like our philosophy with that, all, each of these stories is that we're all made up of like thousands and thousands of fragmented stories that make us who we are. And it doesn't matter what gender you are. Um, someone listening to this will be able to identify with different parts of, you know, different mindsets or um, different personalities that, you know, the guests have shared. And so this one, I think, will be incredibly relevant. Um, I feel like I've taken a lot away from it. And so, yeah, I just wanted to say thank you on behalf of, like, Mank, uh, me and Bottled Up um, for coming on. Oh, no, thank you guys so much. It's, it's, 
it's it's been really really great and had so much fun and it's um I feel very grateful for Tom for, for introducing yeah. us. So. Yeah. Shout out to Tom Boyd for putting us in touch. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. Cool. All right. Um, we'll, we'll have cool, a good one, you. guys, and um, no doubt chat soon. Thank you so much. Yeah. Thank you so okay. much. Okay. Alrighty. See you later. Bye. And that's a wrap for this episode. If you are enjoying our conversations, please help us out with a quick rate and review on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. All the conversations are recorded in video, so check us out on Instagram and Facebook at our handle at BottledUpBoz. Drop us a comment or a message if any of these conversations resonate with you. And most importantly, please share this podcast with anyone who might need it. So as always, this is Bottled Up. Thanks for being part of our family and see you next time.